Mahalo, Kiki. Put that Rogers right away and let's light this firecracker. Week four. Oh, it feels so good. Didn't think we'd ever get here. That's what she said. So, let's get into it. A lot of exciting things to discuss. We gave away another signed jersey last week. I hope you guys are catching these giveaways that we're doing. It's a lot of fun. Lots of great things going on at Twitter. If you are not following us on Twitter, if you don't have a Twitter account, get a Twitter account. Follow us on Twitter, at RegulatorsPod. Not only do we do awesome giveaways, but we do live spaces. We do live shows that these are not part of the normal recordings that you get through Spotify or Apple Music, however you're listening to everything. These are separate live shows that we have some great guests that come on and we do some awesome stuff. But uh, check us out on Twitter, at RegulatorsPod. We have a lot to get to this week, some great, great fucking games. How did you do? Did you play some bets? Did you make some money like we did? You know, we barely edged out coming ahead uh, this week, but we did come ahead. Um, we're 26-15 and 15 against the spread on the year, and life is good. There was one parlay, one really nice parlay that we had that, that got screwed by one fucking team, and we'll get to that later, but no harm, no foul. Still way ahead of the game, as you should be if you're following us, so... We're going to get into all these games. I'm going to give you the point spreads. I'm going to give you the fantasy news. Everything we like that we don't like. If you have a favorite team in the NFL, we're going to talk about your team. Now, will we say good things or bad things? I can't really tell you that. Not only because, first of all, I'm just going to be honest. So there's that. Also, too, because, as usual, I might be a little under the influence. So if it comes out and it's, you know, not great in your team's favor. Listen, it's not personal. It just is what it is. But let's get right into it. Thursday night football. Jacksonville Jaguars. Duval, stand up. And then sit right back down because you're 0-3. So Jaguars are taking on the Cincinnati Bengals at 2-1. and And this will be an interesting one. The Bengals are favored by 7.5 points in this game. Now, normally... I would never take a line this high. It's really tough to do, but I am taking this line. And let me get into all the reasons why. Let's start with the Jaguars. So Trevor Lawrence has seven interceptions in three games. Now, the only quarterbacks who have thrown at least two picks in their first three NFL games are Troy Aikman and Peyton Manning. So at least he's in good company, right? Now, will his career end the way theirs did? You know, that remains to be seen. But having said that, both Trevor Lawrence and Zach Wilson have combined for 14 interceptions through the first three weeks of the season. And I don't know what you guys expect. Like, this is what rookie quarterbacks do. This is what they look like. This is how they learn. And this idea that everybody's going to come in and show you Justin Herbert flashes year one is the exception and not the rule. So I think Trevor Lawrence still has a a lot of promise, but he's got an uphill climb to make, and the rest of his team has mountains to climb. So you look at last week, they got their shit pushed in by a real football team. Um, It was tough to watch, and it's always funny, though, because when Trevor Lawrence did throw a touchdown, I heard an announcer say, and that's why he's the number one pick. Really? That, that's why? That's the reason he hit a guy who was open? Like, um, I'd like him to not throw seven interceptions. That would be uh, a, a lot better. I'm sure Jags fans would appreciate that. But, like, let's, let's stop overselling it. Like, we get it. He was the number one pick, and the world is on his shoulders, and he has to be fucking spectacular, and everyone has to be spectacular, including last year's number one overpick in Joe Burrow. Well, we'll see what happens. Um, Joe Burrow last week was 14 of 18, 172 yards passing, three touchdowns, one interception. They did enough uh, to get the dub, but you know, still a lot of things for even Joe Burrow in year two, which isn't really a true year two because obviously the injury, because Zach Taylor and that entire organization was uh, committing malpractice by allowing him to operate behind that offensive line. But we'll come back to that. So... The Bengals are 
you know, going to take on the Jaguars. They think that Jamar Chase is the piece that, you know, they're missing. Um, and Jamar Chase has people eating a little bit of some humble pie. He does have his four touchdowns, but his 102 ranked catch rate should have them eating only maybe one piece of that humble pie because let's let's just not act like he's not ranked 102 in catch rate. So like I, I'm sure he will do fine and things will be well, but let's let's not just end this argument of Jamar Chase caught four touchdowns. We didn't need an offensive lineman. Well, let's see. Uh, Joe Burrow is currently the third most sacked quarterback in the NFL behind only two rookie quarterbacks, and Panay Sewell hasn't allowed a sack this year. So maybe everybody wasn't that crazy for suggesting that, but sure, keep throwing it up, and I'm sure Jamar Chase will catch a lot of them. We'll see how it works out. But in this particular game, I think that, you know, the Bengals will be able to handle business against the Jaguars. I think from a fantasy perspective, you know, on the Jaguars side, Marvin Jones is a start. If you need to put in Chenault or Chark, you can. I think the yardage will be there, um, but your Bengals wide receivers are probably going to get more of the fantasy points there, and they've got a few that they can choose from. I do like the Bengals in this one by the 7.5 point. Large spread, but I think they can handle it because the Jaguars are going nowhere fast. Now, Let's talk about another team that's going nowhere fast and a team that hopes that they are going somewhere very fast, and that is the Jets and the Titans. So the Tennessee Titans at 2-1 are taking on the winless New York Jets. The Titans are favored by 7.5 points this week. I took them by 5 points last week, was not disappointed, and I'm going to take them again by over a touchdown against the Jets because the Jets are just an embarrassment to the National Football League right now. And I think I still believe, I want to be clear, I think the Jets have a very promising future. The draft capital that they have put together, as well as the fact that if Zach Wilson is half of what they hope he is, I think the Jets are building the blocks. Now, it's not going to be this year, it's not going to be next year, but they have an opportunity to do some really amazing things in New York. But right now, it's going from bad to worse. But let's start off with the Titans. So, Last week, the Titans handled the Colts 25-16, to and, you know, it wasn't really in doubt through most of the game, and the Titans should really walk to a division title in this game, in this league year. Um, nobody's really going to threaten the Titans in that division, so they should be able to put a lot of space between them and the Jaguars, the Texans, the Colts. Um, this week, I think Derrick Henry might have 300 rushing yards. He might have one of those 270-yard games, something ridiculous. Um, so if I'm the Titans, I'm just trying to take care of the football and get everybody out of this game healthy because this should be an easy dub if ever there was an easy dub. Now, Jets' side of the ball. Allegedly, they played a game last week. You could have fooled me. I have no idea. Uh, Zach Wilson was 19 of 35. Zero touchdowns, two interceptions, five sacks, and if you needed a bigger sign that the Jets were in trouble, their average points per game this year is 6.66 points per game. So Satan has fully taken over the New York Jets. Um, And that's not a slight at Robert Sala, who I absolutely adore. Um, That's just a statement on the state of the franchise. So the Jets actually, since 2019, are averaging 15.3 points per game, which is just not only obviously the lowest in the league in that time frame, but it's just disgusting. And this year to be averaging six points a game through three games is, I, I don't even have words for it. So unfortunately for Jets fans, this is what a rebuild looks like. Fantasy wise, I don't trust anybody on that team you know you have lots of skilled players with talent but the Jets are just so far away that you're taking a huge risk on anybody that you put in into your fantasy lineup now I will absolutely take the Titans by the seven and a half and let's move on to another betting line that I'm not too crazy about so the Kansas City Chiefs at one and two that's right dead last in their division are favored by 7.5 points, just like the last game, 
against the Philadelphia Eagles playing in Philly. Now, Philly's 1-2. and two. I do not like this line in this game for a number of reasons. Um, so I'm not, I'm not betting this game. If I have to place something down and pick them, then obviously I, I'm going to take the Chiefs, gun to my head, but I'm not placing anything down against the spread. Now, last week, the Chiefs had four turnovers, which, you know, helped them completely lose that game. Um, on a fantasy positive side, CEH had over 100 yards, so that's something that instills a little bit of confidence in you there. I think that this week Mahomes will bounce back, but honestly, the defense needs to keep Hurts in check. The Kansas City Chiefs have allowed a league-worst 95 points through three weeks. They're dead last in the league. That cannot be sustained. If the Kansas City Chiefs are going to have any hopes of postseason dreams, they really need to shore up that defense, and they need to do it fast. Um, I did see that they're signing Josh Gordon, but unless he plays cornerback, I don't see that how that's going to help them a lot. It's not like they're short on the skill position. So let's talk about the Eagles. Now, last week, Hertz was 25 of 39 on Monday Night Football, 326 yards, two touchdowns, two interceptions. Um, here's something that definitely troubles me. There were only three rushing attempts by the running backs in the Monday Night Football game. And I get it. The game got away from them. Dallas got out to an early lead, and they were trying to play catch-up. But you cannot completely devoid yourself of a running game or any attempt to rush the football. Three rushing attempts by your running backs is just embarrassing. It's... I, I need a drink. Like, come on! So, what are fantasy owners to do if you have Miles Sanders, if you have Kenneth Gainwell because you thought he was sneaking up to creep away a lot of carries? I don't know, man. I, I gotta stay away from those guys at this point, uh, fantasy-wise. Until the Eagles offense really gets sorted out, there's not a lot of people I trust. And again, I want to be clear, not because they're not going to score points, not because they don't have skill, but three carries by your running back. How, how can you trust an offense that is like that? And I get it. They're not always going to be behind. But even when they were not in such games, you had Hurts stealing a lot of carries from Miles Sanders. You had Gainwell all of a sudden getting carries, and then not so much. And then, I don't know. It's just it's too much for me. But this week with the Eagles, it's really kind of pick your poison on defense. Who are they going to try to lock down? This defense will have to be near perfect. Um Ertz and Goddard, I think that, you know, same thing. I just got to stay away from them until one of them, unfortunately, gets hurt. And all of a sudden, there's a clear number one guy. Um, the Eagles need a little bit of luck this week. And they're just going to have to go all out on offense. And the Chiefs can't stop anybody. So they got a shot to do it, which is why I don't like the seven and a half points. I would normally say, well, maybe the Eagles cover and they get within that 7.5 points, but this game just feels very unpredictable to me, so I'm not going to put anything down on that line. Now, the next game that we have up is the Panthers at the Cowboys. Now, the Cowboys are favored by 5 in this game. I took them by the 4 against the Eagles, and that wasn't a problem as well. I'm leaning towards the 5, but the Panthers are still kind of this team that I'm not sure what to make of them yet. So Sam Darnold last week, 23 of 34, 304 yards, no touchdowns, no picks. Um, but, you know, I don't know if I buy the whole Sam Darnold thing. We've talked about it on this show. And I'm continuing to be agnostic about it. Maybe I'm wrong. And maybe he's going to be a decent all-pro quarterback this year. Let's find out. I mean, DJ Moore is a recipient of, you know, the uh, skills of Sam Darnold. He had eight catches for 126 yards last week. I'm sure he's not complaining too much. Obviously, the CMC injury hurts, right? So fortunately, it's a hamstring. If you're a CMC owner, he's not going on IR, which is a good thing because IR means you're going to miss at least three games. Used to be more, but with the new rules, they would have to miss three games. So that leads you to believe that he should be back sooner 
rather than later, but obviously in his presence, the offense is going to suffer. On the defense side of the ball, the J.C. Horn injury was just brutal because he had one of the lowest uh, completion ratings allowed out of any of the defensive backs that were playing in the National Football League. He was playing really good football in his limited uh, experience that he was able to get this year, but three broken bones in his foot, obviously that's going to be an issue. So the Panthers did go out and trade for C.J. Henderson from the Jaguars. He was a 2020 first-round pick, and the Jaguars are already moving on from him. And ironically, part of that is supposedly due to his injury concern. Um, he's missed some time, and you know that was kind of part of them parting ways. So now he's on the Panthers. Panthers are going to have to deal without J.C. Horn and obviously without CMC in the immediate uh, interim. So enter Chuba Hubbard, and he's going to obviously try to fill in, but we know that he's no CMC. He could be a nice flex play. Um, I worry, though, this particular week against the Cowboys defense. Now, Sam Darnold has an opportunity here to make me eat crow and have just like an amazing game against a really good defense because this defense is good that the Cowboys have. They stomped a mud hole in the Eagles. Um, You know, Dak was 21 of 26 last week, 238 yards, three touchdowns, no interceptions. I mean, what else can you really ask for? The good thing was for Zeke owners that Elliott outsnapped Pollard and he did get the two touchdowns. So that's obviously huge. You want to see that he's still going to be that goal line guy and he's going to get you your points. Um, I think that the fact that Dallas leads the league in takeaways is a huge thing right out the gate. We all remember how bad the Cowboys defense was last year. Mike Nolan got jettisoned out, uh, promoted to uh, season ticket holder. And so the defense is looking really good. Now, obviously, they let Micah Parsons play edge this week um, due to, you know, injuries and some things going on there. And now the thought is, is well, maybe he plays really well there. Maybe we should leave him out there a little bit. Um, but the defense overall is just playing really great. And I think that Dalton Schultz as well is getting heavy looks. You know, it's it's hard to really trust him in a two tight end setup, just like I said with the Eagles, with Blake Jarwin there. But in a pinch, I really do like Schultz upward trend. So if you're in a deeper league, maybe a two tight end league, or, you know, you just want to put someone on your watch list or kind of monitor him, maybe you have a deep bench league. Um, Dalton Schultz is someone I would keep an eye on for sure. But in this one, overall, the Cowboys are favored by five. I'm not putting a bet on this one, even though I'm pretty sure Cowboys by five. I don't... I'm skeptical about Sam Sam Darnold, but I'm not completely speaking in an absolute like a Sith. So for that reason, I'm not taking the five points personally. But do with it what you will. Now... Another one that we have is the Giants at 0-3, fucking Giants, and the New Orleans Saints at 2-1. Now, the Saints are favored by 7.5 points in this game. Should be a no-brainer. You know, for me, honestly, I'm more on the Saints' money line for a parlay if I really need it because that should be an easy add into a parlay somewhere. But, I don't know, just... It feels like a weird game. I don't like a lot of these lines this week. I'm just going to be honest with you. But I have some great parlays that I'll tell you about later in the show uh, that I do really like with the betting lines that I like. So Giants again, you know, taking on the Saints in New Orleans. Saints are favored by 7.5. Last week, the Giants had one job for me, really. Like, just beat Atlanta by three points. Complete my parlay, and you would have been good. I had... A couple of parlays. Uh, the first one was Tennessee minus five. I think I had Packers money line. I had the over on the Monday night game, which hit. And I had the Giants by three against the worst fucking defense in the league. Like, how, how could I go wrong? And the Giants decided to screw me and screw my other parlays as well. So that was unfortunate. But this week, you know, the Giants need to be like the little Giants. You remember the movie. 
you know, if if they would get beat 99 times, that still leaves just that one time. They just need that one time against the Saints. So put the ice box in and let her attack, man, whatever it takes. Um, because I fear if not, Giants fans will have their season end in week four of 2021, which doesn't seem like something that should happen. But if you're 0-4, statistics say it's over for you. you you're not going anywhere at 0-4. It's just it's, it's not going to happen. So we'll see if uh, they're able to uh, pull a miracle out. But let's look at the Saints. So last week... Saints just embarrassed the Patriots. 142 rushing yards, that obviously helps. Um, and I do love Marcus Callaway, but you know it's hard to trust anybody in that wide receiver room as far as fantasy is concerned right now. I think the way they spread the ball around, I just, I don't know. Callaway's boomer bust for me. So it's a risk. You know, it's definitely something if you're going to start Callaway, it's a risk. Um could go either way for me I'm, I'm trying to stay away from it if I can this week I think the Saints just need to keep the turnover machine cranking they've got seven turnovers which um, is tied for second in the league and uh, you know don't make Jameis work too hard you know so let's let's just get to three and one put yourself in a good position against a winless Giants team and let's move on now let's talk about the Browns Browns at 2-1 and one are taking on the Vikings at 1-2, and two, and the Browns are favored by two points. <sighs> don't like this line either. Personally, I don't like it. And here's the thing. Just so everybody is aware, and if nobody ever told you, you don't have to bet every single fucking line. You don't have to do it. Pick the three or four games that you feel really good, feel really strongly about. And throw some bucks down on there. Five, ten bucks, two bucks. Like, whatever. But pick the games that you really believe in. I mean, the other week we had ten that we felt really strong about. We went eight and two against the spread. That's a good fucking week. Last week got a little overzealous. We still came out ahead. I think we were like seven and six or something like that against the spread. But that's what happens when you get overzealous. So I'm not taking the line with the Browns. Um... If I have to choose in a pick'em situation, then I will take the Browns. But last week, you know, the Browns just destroyed the Bears. Miles Garrett is a problem, obviously, for opposing teams. And I think that the Browns do have a tough task ahead of them, though, with the Vikings. So Browns had over 200 rushing yards last week, and... That's what they're going to try to do. They're going to try to stick to that same kind of scheme. It was nice to see OBJ get out there, five catches for 77. Obviously, he can be a great weapon, and I think they will actually need him this week. So I know they're going to let Hunt and Chubb just continue to eat, but Baker may have to actually put this game on his shoulders if the Vikings offense continues to roll. So last week, the Vikings, hey, they did it. Finally off the schneid, you know, they had an impressive win over the Seahawks. And it was, you know, the defense that finally did just enough. We've talked about it. You know, the offense has continued to put up points week after week and gets all the yards and does everything they have to do. But the defense couldn't really stop anyone. So the defense for the Vikings last week, they did allow 359 yards, but only 17 points, which, you know, you say only, but... If your offense can score the way that the Vikings can, then that's enough. So this week, the Vikings definitely need to be stout on defense. We know that the offense can score. I do like K.J. Osborne. I think too many mouths to feed, though, right now with Thielen and Dig. Um, I'm sorry, not Diggs. Um, Justin Jefferson. And, you know, it's it's hard to really trust a K.J. Osborne unless you're in some super, super deep league. But he's definitely someone I might roster, someone I might try to stash away and just kind of see how things play out. Um, Cook is questionable. That's something you're going to have to monitor going right up into kickoff and see how that works. If not, obviously have alternatives ready to go. Now let's talk about a line that I do like. And it's a line on the Lions. So... The Lions at 0-3 are taking on the Chicago Bears at 1-2. and 2. 
Now, last week, the Lions lost a heartbreaker that shouldn't have happened. We all saw the delay of game that wasn't. Um, you know, it's it's really unfortunate that history was made after a play that shouldn't happen. But hey, listen, bad beats happen. And you know what? There was also like a fourth and 19 that got converted. There was a bunch of opportunities the Lions had to shut that game down. And they didn't. So that's why they're 0-3. Um, it is nice to see the fight, though, throughout this team. I think Campbell's got them motivated. And I think this could be the opportunity to smash a division opponent in their house and actually get off the schneid and, and get a win, put one in the W column. I think that the efficiency of DeAndre Swift has been good. He's gone over 100 yards in two out of three games. I think in the third game he had 70-something. Um, he is still splitting time with Williams for carries, though. So that's something that, as a fantasy owner, just doesn't give you all the warm and tinglys. I do think this will be a bounce-back game for Hawkinson. So if you're thinking, uh, maybe I'd bench him, I wouldn't. I would leave Hawkinson in. I think this is a good opportunity for him. Now let's look at the Bears side of things. So last week, Justin fucking Fields. Yeah, I need a drink for this. Everybody was screaming for the kid. Put the kid in. Put the kid in there. Well, Justin fucking Fields went 6 for 20 for 68 yards with 67 yards in sack yardage. So, the offense, the Bears offense as a whole, had 47 yards of total offense last week, and one net passing yard. Not good. So, Justin Fields was sacked nine times. The team converted one third down, like... Stop thinking that rookies are the fix-all. It's easy to say. It's easy to sit there at home on the couch or in the stadium and say, ah, just put the fucking rookie in. He would play better. Everybody would play better than this guy, whoever this is. That's, That's not how it works. That's not how any of this works. It's why Zach Wilson and Trevor Lawrence have thrown for 14 fucking interceptions. It's why Justin Fields had one net passing yard. Rookies are rookies. The level of leap between college football and the NFL, I really don't think many of you really grasp this concept. And the idea that, well, if we just throw him in, he's got to learn at some point. He'll just learn now, and he'll learn faster if we throw him in. No, because what you do is you set bad habits and you create bad tendencies where they're running for their life and they know they're not going to get to their third read or their fourth read, so they're doing things they shouldn't do. It's not a great situation. Now, that doesn't mean that some rookies can't overcome these things. I mean, you look at the Peyton Manning, the Troy Aikman, you look at the guys who were not great coming out of the gate, and then they were able to overcome those things. But you're starting someone at a disadvantage. So having said that, Obviously, Fields did not have a good game last week. That's an understatement of the century. This week, I think, is a better matchup for them. If I'm the Bears, I'm letting Singletary shoulder the load and provide some ways for Fields to get the ball out quickly. Whether that's shotgun, RPO-type reads, quick slants, you know, I'm, I'm looking to not let him sit back there and get his ass kicked. I'm also looking to start a prayer circle for Allen Robinson because God bless this man and the amount of dollar-dollar bills that he should be making and that he would be making if he had another quarterback somewhere in any way, shape, or form. I mean, don't get me wrong. He's getting paid. You know, I, I understand that. But I feel like he is one of the biggest wasted talents in the NFL and De Niro said the saddest thing in life is wasted talent. So let's talk about a team that wastes no talent, and that is the Buffalo Bills. The Buffalo Bills are hosting the Houston Texans this week. Texans at 1-2, and two, coming into Buffalo at 2-1. and one. This is the biggest line of the week. So the Bills are favored by 16.5 in this game. And it's tempting That's why they do it, right? 16 and a half. 
you're like, oh, man, they can cover that. 16 and a half? It's more than two touchdowns. Like, and you can even buy. I almost thought about buying a couple points. I was like, oh, let me buy three more points. Let me put it in. Let me see what it is. But they want you. They want you to take the bait. So this one's tough for me. I'll take Bill's money line all day. And I love the money line in, in a parlay situation. But as much as I'm sure that they'll destroy the Texans, 16 and a half scares me, man. That's that's just too much, but it could be too little. I don't know. But let's talk about the Texans. So Davis Mills, he was meh in his first start. Uh, Philip Lindsay had the most carries on the team, seven of them for a total of five yards. Not great. Not great at all. Now, Brandon Cooks, you know, he still got his piece if you're a fantasy owner. Nine catches, 112 yards. The Texans converted one-third down the entire day. The team is ass. Like, there's no other way to say it. The team is ass. They know their ass. Everybody else knows their ass. It's why J.J. wanted out. Deshaun wanted out. Nobody wants to be there. And maybe they won't be ass in a couple of years. Maybe they'll be amazing, and I hope they are. That would be really cool. But right now, they're ass. So this week, the Texans will get curb stomped by an actual elite team. I don't trust anybody in fantasy for the Texans outside of Cooks. On the Bills' side of the ball, last week, Allen was just carving people up. 32 of 43, 350 yards, Four passing touchdowns and a fifth touchdown rushing. Like, I mean, what more can you ask for? You know, Moss had the hot hand last week, but everybody got involved on the ground game. Uh, Cole Beasley, 11 for 98 yards. Sanders, five catches for 94 yards. I mean, they got weapons. They can cut you up any way they want to, including Dawson Knox, who got in the end zone. And his usage has seen an uptick as well. So he's somebody I definitely have on my radar and somebody I might stash in deeper leagues. This week, you know, if the Bills aren't up for this game, then they are not the Super Bowl team that I thought they were. I think that Zach Moss and Singletary should have this game on cruise control by the third quarter. Like, handled. Now, whether they cover the 16 and a half points, whether there's some garbage time points, like I don't know, which is why I'm not going anywhere near the line. But I will tell you a line that I'm running out the fucking door with. And that is another AFC East team, the Miami Dolphins, are hosting the Indianapolis Colts who are winless on the year. Now, let's talk about the Colts first. Forrest Chump was awful last week. So if they think that shit will cut it against the Miami Dolphins defense, they are sadly mistaken. So I know that Two Sprains is going to come down for a concert at Hard Rock, and he thinks he's going to put that kind of performance out there, but it's just not going to cut it. I do love Naheem Hines. He had 79 all-purpose yards last week and a touchdown. We've talked about him on the show. It's always tough because of Jonathan Taylor and... You know, he's always going to be kind of hit or miss as far as fantasy. So it's tough to trust him. However, I do feel like this is a good matchup for him. I think this could be a good game for Naheem Hines in fantasy. I would stay away from the wide receivers for the most part. One of them might get lucky. One of them might have a deep touchdown or or get some yards somewhere on a big play. But overall, I'd stay away from the Colts wide receivers. I think that... If you're the Colts this week, you need to get after that horrible Dolphins offensive line and you need to dare them to throw the ball over your head. So no one's going to have time for double moves. Get in their face and cover the under. Like that, that's it. You know, get the, get Hines the ball in space on offense and just don't do anything stupid if you're Carson Wentz. That's the goal. Don't do anything stupid. Now, let's flip over to the Miami Dolphins side. Last week, man, the overtime score is in no way indicative of just how garbage the Miami Dolphins offense is. So they are the third worst offense in the National Football League. Now, in this game, 
the defense allowed 23 points in regulation, and they scored seven themselves. Which means, if you can put 17 points on the board, you're, you're going home with this one. Instead, what does the offense do? They give the opposing team two points with the dumbest call I've ever seen backed up in your own end zone that ended up in a safety. And you give them back the ball so that they can go down the field again. The Miami Dolphins didn't eclipse 100 yards passing until the fourth quarter. So, yes, Dolphin fans, you might need to look away because it's not getting prettier from here. So, yes, I get it. The refs missed a blatant call that would have been a walk-off touchdown for the Miami Dolphins in overtime. I get that. But again, the team beat themselves. You allowed the refs to do that. You allowed the refs to be in a position in overtime in a game that you really should have never been in the first place because you waited till the last three minutes of the regular season, I'm sorry, regular time, to remember that Mike Gesicki plays for you. You waited to the last four minutes of the game to think, oh, there's guys who catch the ball downfield. We should try throwing to them every once in a while. This whole bullshit about taking what the defense gives you and et cetera, et cetera, that's, that's horseshit. And sooner or later, this is the way I see it. I have three people to blame. Now, we can talk about drafting and GMs and all kinds of stuff, and that, that's fine. But on game day, there's a third of blame that I give to three categories. One is the offensive line, who is playing like hot trash. I'm not saying they are all individually hot trash. I'm saying they are playing like hot trash. There's a picture that I tweeted out of two offensive linemen that look like they're on the ground looking for their contact lenses while the quarterback is getting his ass kicked. So the offensive line is hot trash. That's one part out of the three. The second part is the play calling. The play calling to me is just fucking blows my mind. And especially in a situation where you start to get behind in a game and the play calling should be pushing the ball down the field. And what do I say when I mean play calling? Obviously, everyone understands third and ten when you do a draw play. Like, that's, that's not good. But it, it goes beyond that. It goes, for example, when you have a right-handed quarterback. Okay? And he's typically working his read from, let's say, right to left. And his first read is a quick slant. His second read is a check down. And his third read, as he gets to the left, is a go route or a post pat, you know, something on the left side, which might be Mike Gesicki or Devontae Parker or whoever's over there. That play call is bogus for a number of reasons, but... You need to have plays that are going to, within the first couple of reads in certain situations, get your playmaker the ball. And that gets us to the third part of my three-part blame game. The quarterback. So, Jacoby Brissett, I think, is a serviceable backup quarterback. And he showed towards the end of the game, when he put some moxie into it, that he can make some things happen. He's not Patrick fucking Mahomes. But he can make some things happen, and he's a good, serviceable backup quarterback. But what bothers me is why is it till there's four minutes left in the game that all of a sudden you're pushing the envelope, that you're going to give these guys a shot. You're going to throw that deep over-the-shoulder pass to Will Fuller, and you know he, he dropped it, there was pass interference, we know how that ended. But the point is, why? At the rate that they were coming after you, there were plenty of situations where you had one-on-one -on -one coverage. Was that guy beat by a mile? No, maybe not. But you had one-on-one -on -one coverage. You have to take your shots. And that's where I question the competitor who is there in that quarterback under huddle. There are quarterbacks in this league that if they know their guy's one-on-one, -on -one, they see it as more than 50-50. They see that as 70-30 in their guy's favor, and they like those odds, and they're going to throw it up. I don't see any of that. So, lots of blame to go all the way around on the Miami Dolphins. But this week, I think they throttle an 0-3 team, and then they pray 
that Tua Tagovailoa is healthy sooner rather than later and ready to go. I don't care if there's four interceptions this week thrown by Jacoby Brissett. I just want to see him take his shots. I just want to see him put it out there. Miles Gaskin is a stash until Tua comes back, and let me tell you why. There are only eight players, eight running backs in the NFL who have an above five yards per carry in the NFL, and Miles Gaskin is one of those players. And he was great last year, and there's a reason they stuck around and they believe in him, but you have to give him the ball. Now, two weeks ago, he had five carries. This week, the running game improved a little bit more, and they they started to actually stick with the run a little bit. But you've got to get him the ball. So, Stash Miles Gaskin, do not get rid of him. If you're if you're a little hesitant because of Miami's offensive woes, I get it, but do not cut him just yet. Do not cut him. I'm also keeping my eye on Will Fuller, who I have stashed as well. First game back last week, he was decent, and obviously if he would have caught that walk-off touchdown, he would have been a huge waiver wire target this week. He's not yet, but I have him stashed, someone to keep your eye on. Anyway, back to the line. Dolphins are favored by a point and a half in this game. I've seen it as high as three, three and a half. I think someone said it got up to four points somewhere, and then it started coming down because all the money was going on the Dolphins. And then now it's down to one and a half, which tells me they're trying to suck money in from the Colts side. It's not going to happen. I'm running to smash this bet. The Dolphins will decimate the Colts. So one and a half points is an easy fucking clutch. And that's one of my locks this week. So let's move to the next line that I like as well. The Washington football teams. One and two taking on the one and two Falcons in Atlanta. Now last week, Washington was throttled by the Bills. I get it. Heineke was 14 of 24, 212 yards, two touchdowns, two picks. Not a fantastic day. Logan Thomas did get his touchdown. You know how high I am on that kid. Gibson, they just, they didn't use him, man. I mean, his first touch went for like 70-plus yard touchdown, but they just, they couldn't really get him going. And I understand you're, you're down and you're you're trying to stay in the game, so you think you have to just bomb it every play, but look at what Gibson did with that one pass that he did get right out the gate. So, you know, I think they need to get back to that this week. Um, defensively, where is the defense? They're on a milk carton somewhere. Nobody's seen them because they are 29th in points allowed. They are 31st in yards allowed, allowing 432 yards per game. They are 29th in passing yards allowed. They are 26th in rushing yards allowed. This defense is not the same defense that we bragged about all summer that lit it up last year with those 15 first-round picks in the front seven. Like, this is not that same defense. I don't know where they went. I don't know what happened. Um... Maybe a long-term study can be done on the effects of vaccination. Maybe it makes you a shittier football player. I don't know. But the defense this week must improve. So they need to tear apart the only defense uh, that may be worse than them. Washington does, you know, as far as their offensive (laughs) fucking plan of attack. Now, the Falcons are not without their own problems. They beat the Giants last week, which, let's be honest, is nothing to brag about. Um, I need to see this week what all the rage is about Kyle Pitts. Not because I don't understand what the rage is about Kyle Pitts. I watched him play. The kid is amazingly talented. But what I'm saying is, you chose not to draft a quarterback. You chose not to take certain positions because you thought that drafting the highest overall tight end ever was a good decision, and I don't know that it wasn't. Maybe it was the best decision you ever make, but let me see it. Let me see on the field why you didn't take a quarterback this year and why Kyle Pitts was the right pick. Let's stretch the field. Let's get the ball to Calvin Ridley. I need to see him more involved in this offense. This is supposed to be 
his fucking team now. Julio is long gone. I think Ridley could have a big day. Um, I think you need to make Washington keep up with your offense this week. Don't let them slow play you into submission. Don't let them let Antonio Gibson just run all over the place. That should be the main goal. So Washington is favored, even though they're on the road. They are favored by one and a half points in this game. And I do like the one and a half points. I think Washington wins, whether it's by a field goal or possibly more. I think Washington handles this, so I do like the one and a half points. Um, The next game that we have on our slate is the Seattle Seahawks. So one and two taking on the two and one 49ers. The Seahawks are favored by two and a half in this game. So I like Seattle by a field goal. I think that Seattle gets this done. Last week, they got mossed by the Vikings. They allowed over 450 yards of offense, which even going back to last year, we talked about their defense. Defense is not the Legion of Boom. Far from it. This week, they need to convert to points. So they have the most off most efficient offense in the NFL, the Seahawks do. So they're averaging 7.4 yards per play. Seven and a half yards per play. And you're one and two. That's embarrassing. Like that should tell you how bad the defense has been. They have to turn the offensive yards into points and the defense needs to step it up. Now the 49ers, on the other hand, Holy shit, they remembered Brandon Ayuk was on the team, and maybe, you know, we should stop punishing him for supposedly whatever the fuck he did or didn't do. But anyways, I love Ayuk. It was so nice to see him get back in there, do some of the things he's so special at. Jimmy G, man, they said it before the drive, you know, everyone wants to believe is Jimmy G the guy who can go down, drive the team, and get that score, and he was. He did it. He drove down the field for the win, but he left 30 seconds too many for Aaron fucking Rodgers. And that's just something that you cannot do. So this week, he's going to try to get back on that horse and try to ride it to victory. Let's try to get George Kittle involved more. I think fantasy-wise, he's got to have a, a good game. He's he's due, man. I think Kittle is due for a big game. Keep feeding Ayuk. And, you know, tighten up the pass coverage on defense because otherwise Tyler Lockett is just going to abuse you all fucking day long. Now, let's talk about a game I'm really excited about. The Arizona Cardinals, 3-0. The LA Rams, 3-0. Two undefeated teams going against each other and the Rams are favored by 4.5 points. Rams are the home team. They will be hosting the Cardinals And this feels like a field goal type game. Feels like you win it with a field goal, which is why four and a half points seems like too much or too little, depending on which way you land on that. But I do like the over. The over is set high. The over is set at 54 and a half. And normally that's really high for for me to take an over. But you've got the number two and number three offense in the same game. So I'm going to roll the dice. Fuck it. I'm in. Now the Cardinals last week, A.J. Green, five catches for 112 yards. boy. I'm not buying that shit. Do not, do not drink the Kool-Aid and start A.J. Green. That's not going to happen again. What will happen again is Connor and Edmonds are going to continue to split. The splitting carries thing is just brutal. I think if you're a non-PPR, you probably already dropped Edmonds. Um, If you haven't, you should. And I think this week for the Cardinals, just don't get too cute. Use the speed and the misdirection to get the ball out quick. I think that, you know, the Cardinals are tied for second in the league with seven turnovers on defense. And this would be a huge statement win for the Cardinals. I think this is one of those ones where... You know, you you go to 4-0, you beat the Rams, who just beat the Bucks, and you've really got to feel good about the direction of the team. I mean, both teams, regardless of the outcome, I think are going to be playoff teams. But, you know, whoever gets this one, this is going to be a very impressive win. On the Rams side of the football, 
Last week, they sent the Super Bowl champs to the showers. And Matt Stafford, 27 of 38, 343 yards, four touchdowns, no picks. I mean, my God, it's so nice to see him on a stage now where he is getting the appreciation that he deserves. If y'all don't know about Matt Stafford and how good he is, you need to do your research. Go pull up some old tapes. Go look up the highlights and just... Matthew Stafford is is just stupid good. So it's exciting to see him in a Sean McVay offense. Now, one of the main things that the Rams was able to do in that win they secured last week was were, Rams is plural, so it would be were. I'm drunk, but I'm not an illiterate bastard. So um, the Rams were able to limit themselves to only one penalty, which I think was huge. They're going to have to try to do the same thing again this week. Play a clean, tough game. Um, The Cardinals' defense right now is technically playing better than the Rams, but the Rams' defense is nasty. Everybody knows that. This is just a great matchup. This is literally, I know it's a minus four and a half, but in in real world, it's basically a pick Um, I'm picking the Cardinals in pick in this game, but I don't have a lot of... Con- I, I think either team could win this game. It's just, like I said, you know, in the full pickums where you got to pick every team, I'm picking the Cardinals, and really because I think it'll be an upset, and I like to take the dog in that one. But let's move on to the Steelers. Whew! Steelers at 1-2, and two, taking on the Packers at 2-1. and one. Packers are favored by 6.5. You know how I feel about touchdown spreads. 6.5 is a Big ol' spread. But I'ma take Packers and Aaron Rodgers to smear that spread all over the place. So last week, Steelers lost to the Bengals. Big Ben was being tackled by the field. And oh yeah, the Steelers have the worst fucking rushing team in the NFL. The Pittsburgh Steelers, who used to be known for that kind of thing. Worst rushing team in the NFL. And this is why I tell people in fantasy drafts, Najee Harris. He's a fucking rookie, man. Stay away from him. Kyle Pitts. He's a rookie. And everyone's screaming on him about, oh, well, what about Jamar Chase? Okay, so one hit. Like, did you know which one it was going to be? Like, chill. Chill with that shit. But someone who is not taking a chill pill is Aaron Rodgers. And Aaron Rodgers was so clutch last week. You know, you leave him less than a minute, no timeouts. He doesn't need him because he's got Devontae Adams, who's going to go off for 12 catches, 132 yards, and obviously Crosby to seal the deal over the 49ers. What a fucking game, man. And Rodgers is just, he's stupid good. But this week, you know, if you're the Steelers, you're hoping you get back T.J. Watt Having a healthy TJ, uh, Juju, who had the rib issue, Deontay Johnson, they need the full squad to really even try to compete against the Packers. Each one of those players that is either out or not at 100% or even 80%, that spread is going to go in the opposite direction. On the Packers' side of the ball, let's get Big Bob the ball, huh? You know, I I think it's time for some Tunyon touchdowns. I think MVS has some value in deeper leagues. If you're looking for a flex-wide receiver and you're looking on the Packers. Um, but it's always tough because Aaron's going to spread the ball around and he's going to do his thing. But I do like the Packers by the 6.5 in this one over the Steelers. And then we've got another game with a close line that's practically a pick The Ravens at 2-1 and one, taking on the Broncos. And the Broncos at 3-0 and oh are favored over the Ravens by one point. So basically just favored to win. So I am not uber confident in this one, but I do like the Ravens plus one. So basically I'm picking the Ravens to win this game. I could see this game going in a number of different ways because it feels a little bit like a trap game, but I like the Ravens. So let's talk about the Ravens. Last week, They pulled a rabbit out of somewhere, and it definitely wasn't a hat. So you can figure out where they pulled that rabbit out from. Um, The Lions had them beat. But like Parcells says, you are what your record says you are. 
Now, this week, I need to see that Baltimore Ravens defense revived. Three takeaways this year, and the seventh worst scoring defense is not going to get it done. So, I also told you not to trust the running backs in Baltimore because they had... No, none of the running backs had more than 28 uh, yards last week, and they all had carries, and Lamar's outrushing all of them, so it's just not a situation in fantasy where you can trust any of those guys in the backfield. Now let's look at the Broncos. The Broncos have played well, but they've yet to play a team who's won a fucking game, so everybody the Broncos has played has not won a game yet. So you have to put that a little bit into perspective going into week four. This week, you have a much tougher matchup. Now, go beat the Ravens, and I'll buy that your defense is first world. Like, I will absolutely buy in. Go beat the Ravens, show me that you can stop Lamar, and then I'm in. I'm buying in, okay? I've already bought in on Teddy. I've been a fan of Teddy since back before, back before, back before, back before, and I love Teddy Bridgewater, but defensively, I want to see you go out and stop the Ravens. Now, offensively, the Broncos have lost another wide receiver, so this means fantasy-wise, Sutton and Tim Patrick, they should eat. They should do well in fantasy. And how about Melvin Gordon, showing he still has something in the tank, and, you know, he's ready to go. Speaking of someone with stuff left in the tank, Tom Brady, Tommy B., returns to New England for the biggest game of the year. And the stakes have never been higher at my bookie. Whether you're backing the Bucks or the Pats this Sunday, the game is always more exciting when I've got my money on it at my bookie. Now, get in on the action and take this game to a whole new level at my bookie. Both teams are sporting top defenses and nobody knows each other better than Brady and Belichick. I think slow and steady, you know, will win this race. Smart money bets the under. Don't wait around. Join my bookie now and bet on the biggest game of the season this far. Use my promo code REGULATORS and double your first deposit. Again, that's promo code REGULATORS to get a get double your first deposit with my bookie. And start your winning season today. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere with my bookie. I am jacked about this fucking game. You know, you've got the Buccaneers who just came off a Super Bowl win. Going back, Brady and Gronk, into the house that they built. You know, I mean, people forget. I I always talk about this. I feel bad for New England kids that are under the age of 30, for two decades, all they've known is winning. They don't understand that, like, this isn't, like, how it always goes. I don't understand. Can't compute. So, they were, they were nothing. They were nothing before Belichick and Brady and Gronk and all of those guys. So, this is going to be an amazing, amazing game. I am so excited and I'm so glad it's on Sunday Night Football. So, last week, I know the Buccaneers came up short, you know, against an incredible Rams team. But Brady was 41 of 52, 432 yards, a touchdown, no picks, no turnovers. But obviously the seven team penalties, something that kind of hurt them uh, going down the stretch. But my God, like what else do you want out of Brady? 41 of 52, 432 yards, like. I mean, couldn't get it done. It was a tough game against a really tough team. But this week, Tommy's going to empty the fucking basement. He's going to park all the cars in Harvard Yard and then light them motherfuckers on fire. Number one offense in the league, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They don't need a run game. They're bottom five in the league. Rushing. Who cares? Tommy don't care. Tommy's going to burn that bitch to the ground. Now let's look at the Patriots. Last week, Mac's first touchdown pass ever unfortunately went to the other team. So it was a pick six. But he did eventually get on the board there. Three interceptions, not great. 
this is my thought process if I'm the Patriots. Don't push the envelope. Let Brady give you his ass kicking and move on. But unfortunately, we know that Bill's not going to do that. Bill Belichick might be the only person on this planet who's more petty than I am. And he is going to throw the kitchen sink at Tom Brady. But I think this is where the Padawan becomes the master. I even saw a cute little interview preview of a, of a snippet that's going to be out during su- Sunday Night Football where Brady is saying not only does he know basically the kind of things that Bill's going to try to scheme up, but he knows how they practice. He knows how they do their walkthroughs. Excuse me. Coming back a little bit. He knows how Bill's going to talk to the team, what he's going to say. Brady is so my ninja fucking Belichick at this point that Belichick is seething. And if Bill doesn't get another win this entire year, he wants this one. He wants this one bad. Unfortunately, I don't think Mac Jones is going to get it done. And the defense has been okay. And they can run the ball. They've got some great running backs on the backfield. But Tom Brady, number one offense. Like... It's it's going to be a barn burner. And that's why Buccaneers are only favored by six and a half. You got me taking other teams where you want me to give 16 points or seven and a half points. Six and a half? Buccaneers by a touchdown? Easy money. That's easy fucking money. Easy money. So you run to mybookie.ag. You use that regulator's promo code. And you put the kids' college tuition on this one. I mean, don't really do that because for legal reasons, I don't want someone coming back at me. You know, put $2 on the game, whatever. But, you know, wink, wink, whatever. This is the game. Six and a half points? I'm all over that. And that's going to tie me into our parlays that we're going to get back to in a minute. But let's talk about the last game of the week, Monday Night Football. The Las Vegas Raiders undefeated and just winning baby they're taking on the chargers who are two and one chargers are favored by three and a half points in this one (sighs) this will be an interesting game we may find some things out about both of these teams now last week the raiders got bailed out by an anemic miami dolphins offense They did show grit, though, after being down 14-0 to start the game. They scored 25 unanswered points. But some of that, you know, I take with a grain of salt. I do expect the Las Vegas offense to make this an amazing game. They've got 1,413 yards through three weeks, which is first in the NFL. Carr is going to put them yards up there, and this is going to be a shootout. I think this week the Raiders need to get on top early because you really don't want to get into a pissing match with the Chargers and Justin Herbert because that could not go your way. The Chiefs tried that shit and they took an L. So I'm just saying. The Chargers, on the other hand, last week, Justin Herbert, 26 of 38, 281 yards, four touchdowns, no picks, and the dub over the Chiefs kingdom. Austin Eckler over 100 all-purpose yards, and Mike Williams. What have I said? Free money. You like free money, right? Seven catches, 122 yards, two touchdowns. He might have even had a two-point conversion in there somewhere. I believe so. But Mike Williams. Throw some respect on my man's name. Now this week, excellent division game. It's going to be a fun Monday night game. We're all going to be talking about it on Tuesday. So, Chargers by three and a half. Meh. Don't know how I feel about that. I'll take Chargers. I'll take Chargers in a pickle. I'll take Chargers in a pickle. But I could see this going either way. But now that I've said my piece, now that I've had that out, I want to talk about my parlays. Now, last week, as discussed, I got fucked by the Giants Falcons game my god oh it was heartbreaking everything lined up everything but the giant I've already discussed it enough we're not going to rehash it but 
I got some great ones this week. So I'm going to give you two. So if you're on mybookie.ag, if you're looking to make some parlays, I'm going to give you a four-team parlay, and I'm going to give you an eight-team parlay. Obviously, the eight-team pays more. So this is what we've got. The very first one, four-team parlay. You got the Titans, seven and a half. You got Miami by a point and a half, and Tom Brady and the Buccaneers by six and a half. That's easy money. And the Bills' money line. You hear me? You with me? Because I don't like that huge spread, so Bills' money line. It adds just a little bit of a taste. Just a little bit, little bit extra. If you want to throw out the Bills' money line, then leave that one out. But I think that one's a pretty sure bet, which is why it won't multiply by too much. But again, that's Titans seven and a half, Miami by one and a half, Bucks by six and a half, and the Bills money line. That's your four-team parlay for this week. And then I've got your super parlay. So here's your eight-team. So it starts with the same four: Titans seven and a half, Bills money line, Miami one and a half, Buccaneers six and a half, and then I've got the Ravens plus one, and then I've got three money lines: Saints, Cowboys, Chiefs. You tie that all together and you got your super parlay, baby. So throw five, ten bucks on it and let it ride. Let's see what happens. If you're, you know, a, a big go-getter and you got something that you really want to spin into something, then hey, do what you got to do. But we are going to be ready with our parlay, our super parlay, and of course, all our normal bets that we place on. So if you are winning money with us, with my bookie, Please hit us up, drop us in the DMs. We'd love to hear about it. You know, sometimes, you know, if you want to throw us a couple bucks, hey, you know, that's nice, but you don't have to do that. It's just we like to know that we're helping you because we're helping us. Like I said, what are we, 27 and 15 or something? I don't know. I fucking wrote it down somewhere against the spread, but we're crushing it. We're killing the game. So help me help you. Help me help you. You are hanging on by a very thin thread, and I dig that shit about you. But that's why we're here. That's why you have us, the Regulators Podcast. Check us out on Twitter, at Regulators Pod. Make sure you check out all the contests we have, as well as the awesome, awesome charity stuff that we're doing right now. We are doing a fantasy football charity league, and every single one of the players has picked a different charity, all 501Cs, that we're playing for, and the winner of the league... Uh, through all the donations that we raise gets to pick their charity and the donation gets made in, in their name to that charity. So check that stuff out and all the awesome stuff that we're doing on Twitter. We appreciate you. I love you guys. Um, if you are going to be at Hard Rock Stadium this Sunday for the Colts game, I will be there. And you definitely cannot miss me. If you follow us on Twitter, then you know exactly what you are looking for. And I will see you guys out there. Make sure you come say hi, introduce yourself. Always nice to meet and connect. And if you can't make it to the game, that's what Twitter's for. At Regulators Pod, hit us up, send us the DMs. We're always up, always looking to talk shit and get into the action. Love you guys. Keep it real. We'll see you in the Twitter streets. Peace! Regulators!